here. Pig, 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 pig. Well, the hog is back in the barn down in Iowa City where he's been warm, safe, comfortable, and happy for four years now. Is that right? Four years, guys? Floyd's about ready to graduate. I think we need to send Floyd for his master's. As long as it's at the University of Iowa. (laughs) Or if he's on the the Bill Delahant plan, he's about halfway done. (laughs) Well, he could be on uh, our friend Tim Feeney's plan, and he'll be there like another ten years. (laughs) <laughs> you know, he is a lawyer, but I, he should be a doctor. Well, welcome back to 12 Saturdays podcast, and we are breaking down the Minnesota game and also the Wisconsin game because we took the week off last week. Uh, but uh, I'm James Boydell, and we also have uh, Tori and Bill Delahant. Hi, guys. Hey, Jim. Hey, I want to I want to I have a little bone to pick. I, I think separately, both of you pinned the lack of a podcast last week on me. And I, I don't really think that's accurate. Really? Uh, okay. How so? Well, I, I feel like it was your traveling and Bill's baby were the two main components <laughs> of the non-podcasting. I'm I'm just this, like, chill, middle-aged guy. I'm ready to roll, <laughs> yet, yet, yet you're trying to throw me under the bus. Well, I would have done it. All, all of us probably were just a little hungover from that very late Wisconsin game. Uh, and I don't think any of us were in the Don't in the forget the crushing mood. disappointment, Jim. Don't forget the crushing disappointment. How can However, I did win the Gnome of Knowledge. Uh, uh, so well, I guess maybe I was kind of in a hurry to get on the podcast you, to gloat, do a little You gloat. did win. You won by picking Wisconsin, so I hope you're proud. I don't know how you look in the mirror in the morning. You filthy badger lover. Uh, I <laughs> it's a badger incognito. Uh, and I don't want to go too far. I, obviously, it's been quite a bit of time. We don't want to rehash the Wisconsin game. We could have done our podcast like normal human beings should have. Uh, but I will say, I, you know, despite the loss, the loss sucked. There's no getting around that. But uh, damn, if Iowa wasn't competitive, should have won the game. Uh, Bill, you and I were in the uh, stands at Camp Randall last year. They didn't look like they belong. They looked like JV against varsity. At least that wasn't the case this year. I'm still taking it as you know a good sign that that I think Iowa looks to be to be a top level competitive Big Ten team. Even obviously after the Minnesota win, but even that Wisconsin loss wasn't something to really be shamed about. No, that's a good point. I don't want to go to Nebraska fan and start saying that touchdowns didn't count. You know, wins and losses don't count. Uh, we did lose, but yes, we did belong on the same field, and that was very promising. And and I, I think it kind of gives us an idea of, of you know we really can compete for the Big Ten this year. Well, you know, and from where you know my takeaway from that was you had three punts, right? One was a turnover at midfield, one was a fair catch on your own five, and one was a turnover inside the ten, right? Um, and you just can't do that. I mean, and then to your point, Tori, is, is you, you think you can do that because you think you can count on Hornybrook to turn it over twice, and he just didn't. So there's no, your game right yeah, there. Very much a tip of the cap to Hornybrook and Wisconsin. They took Iowa's best shot and found a way. That's, uh, you know, and 
until somebody knocks them off, they, they've earned their position as the king of the West for now. They played yeah, clean. and they played mistake free, and you just you have to, you know, you have to match them with that, and we didn't. So, so something I was uh, thinking about was, yeah, we gave them the ball. Uh, you know, we we went for it on that quarterback sneak, uh, didn't convert, gave Wisconsin the ball back. Um, you know, turned it over special teams twice. Came back the next go round out at, at Minnesota and did that again. Uh, we had the strip sack of uh, of Stanley and then the the very bizarre interception he threw, and we were able to overcome it. So you know you could look at the silver lining there and say that we're at least you know growing and, and overcoming mistakes like that. I, I think that's a good point, Bill. I would say though that I think a lot of that might be reflective of how much worse Minnesota is than Wisconsin too. <laughs> right. Though. Um, right. But but no, to your point, uh, you know this Iowa team to this point of the season has shown uh, you know unrelenting uh, positivity. They're just not going to quit no matter what happens. And you know I think that bodes well. I think we've seen in the past years uh, sometimes when to borrow a phrase that Fran McCaffrey loves, the team gets a little sideways, they can spiral. But this this squad this year seems pretty dialed in to, you know, make a mistake and then move on. Well, let's talk about that Minnesota game because, I mean, it was a pretty solid, comfortable win. But, um, but I think to Bill's point is, you know, you win by 17, but you handed them 14 points. Um, so it probably wasn't as close as the score indicated. Um, and yet there was a one-score game late in the, I think, early in the fourth um i guess my only complaint with the game is just the injuries seem to be piling up on the defensive side of the ball and now with the um you know with the targeting call there with under a minute to play uh we're going to be shorthanded for at least half of the indiana game your concerns on defense guys a little bit with uh obviously a linebacker in the first half um it sounds like christian welch is coming back from whatever his injury is so you know uh, he and Jimon Colbert both have starts under their belt. It sounds like Barrington Wade is going to be the third guy. Um, so we'll okay. see what happens there. I was very pleasantly surprised with uh, Riley Moss stepping in uh, corner on that right side. Um, he, he had to settle down at first, but yeah, he, he, he had a good game. Targeted 17 times, gave up one touchdown, but came away with two interceptions. Um, I, I think... Uh, quarterbacks look across the defense and see a guy, um, you know, pigmentally challenged, should we say, <laughs> and, and uh, inclined to pick on him. And he looked like he belonged. He's a true freshman out there and uh, didn't seem uh, in over his head. So I think his future is very bright. I look forward to uh, seeing him him only get better. Well, what was crazy about him, too, is like you could literally watch him learning how to play Big Ten football in the moment. And I mean, what a credit <laughs> to the kid. You know, I think he got out there, he's a little freaked out by the speed and the stage and everything. And But man, he settled in and then he just kept getting better as the game went on. And then Julius Brent's on the other side. I mean, I, these guys are shades yeah. of, uh, I remember Antoine Allen and Jovan Johnson when they were young freshmen, you could kind of feel, man, they're, they're, you know, they'd get burned every once in a while, but you could see that, uh, just that raw talent and could tell they were going to be good players. You know, I think uh, it's just wonderful to see guys, you know, Phil Parker throws these guys out there and they're ready to go from the get-go. Yeah, secondary doesn't really concern me uh, as much. Um, I think, you know, Geno Stone had a good game. Hankins, we know how long he was cleared, but he's still in a cast or something like that. And then yeah. 
do we know what's going on with Ojemudia? No, I mean it, he got in and he was cleared to play. Uh, he, I think he played a few snaps, and I, again he's cleared to play. I think it might be a deal that maybe the younger guys are passing him up. Quite that, frankly, that's what uh, that's what Blair Sanderson said on Hawkeye Report today that uh, he played on special teams and he did play in, and so yeah, it looks more of a uh, case of. You know, the, they just feel more comfortable with the young guys, which I guess well, is good. That's saying something because, I mean, if, if these guys are true freshmen and they're, you know, competing for playing time or even passing up a guy who played not only most of this year, but didn't he play uh, last year and in the bowl game and everything? Oh, yeah, he was um, a starter last year. Yeah, so, I mean, that's, uh, that's some pretty phenomenal growth. Before we move on from Minnesota, kind of going back, uh, Jim, to what you'd mentioned about uh, the game, whether it was close or, or not, or, or it's interesting. I had the opportunity to watch with kind of a uh, dispassionate observer because uh, I was out of town. And uh, he basically declared Iowa the winner like eight minutes into the game. And as I was getting kind of freaked out at times in the second half, you know, after, well, after the end of the first half with the interception, he, he just was laughing at me saying, no, 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 I, I was clearly the better team. They can't lose this game. It's just always interesting to, to you and I have, like I turned around to him, I'm like, no, no, you haven't, I've seen these shows before. It doesn't end well all the time, but uh, apparently uh, they looked better than I thought they did. Yeah, I mean, and I think part of that, Tori, I felt the same way, um, was uh, that we just, the offense looked like they could move the ball at will. Um, it, you know, the running yards were kind of a tough slog, but it, it seemed like, you know, there, I think I saw one of the stats where we had something, like just an insane amount of third down conversion uh, rate. So it just, it felt like, you know, it, you know, Minnesota was scoring on some fluky, uh, fluky plays, but Iowa was just putting together drive after drive after drive. And so I think maybe that's where the, where the confidence comes in. And I'll say that I've been a bit rough on Brian Ferentz. Um, you know, there was a stat going around that uh, in 13 outings against Power 5 defenses, he'd only cracked 20 points four times, I believe. Um, so it was great to see him kind of put together two games worth of uh, points this go around. Um, loved seeing the offense come alive, and I think we're going to definitely need it um, against Indiana this this week. Well, should we toast this one and move on? Because there's certainly lots to talk about in terms of, um, you know, coming out of this game and then just where the program is. Yeah, what, do you, what, to... do you, what do you guys? What are you guys drinking tonight? I'm I'm drinking a coffee with a little bit of Kahlua in it because my little one's just been a terror lately. Oh, try try putting some of the Kahlua on his gums, or better yet, wild turkey. <laughs> so I've heard that, and. You know, obviously everybody says don't do that, and I'm not going to do that, just putting that out there. However, I'm going to say that the generation that had whiskey put on its gums uh, went on to win World War II. So well, I, don't, I don't think you could go wrong, Bill. I don't think you have to go back that far, Bill. I mean, my, my grandmother was Irish, and <laughs> you know, I yeah. think she rubbed a, you know, you, you dip the uh, bottle uh, tip in some and some whiskey and let the kids suck on it for a little while. <laughs> well, I, I was up in uh, Galena this weekend on a golf outing, and so we made the quick run to Hazel Green across the border and got some new Glarus, so I'm enjoying one of their delicious uh, Staghorn Oct Oktoberfest offerings. Quite tasty. I'm, I'm, 
I am uh, halfway through a delicious, cold, crisp bottle of Evian water because I, <laughs> I, I just landed and got checked in here in, uh, in the hotel. So uh, haven't hit the uh, haven't hit the lounge yet. Well, no wonder you're so boring tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, should we toast them? Well, for once, uh, I got a break on the interview producer job, and Bill got us a, a pretty interesting fella to talk to this week. Uh, Bill, tell us a little bit about the, the guests you got lined up. So our guest tonight is Chris Snyder, who was a walk-on with the Iowa football team in 2010, uh, was around uh, all those great Orange Bowl guys, uh, kind of has a, a better perspective of, of what the, the inner workings of the team are like, and uh, we're really happy to have you on. Chris, how are you doing tonight? Good. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's fun being here. Awesome. So, like I said, you're you were a walk on, um, kind of coming off that Orange Bowl win, and and you know you were around guys like Stanzi, DJK, Adrian Claiborne. Um, you want to kind of give us a little background, how you got to Iowa, and just what your time was like? Sure. Uh, so, just real quickly, I, I grew up in Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, played for a prep uh, high school there and uh, tried really hard to get recruited to go play college ball. Was probably kind of on that borderline of, you know, if you're good enough for D1 or if you should go D1 AA. Um, and so uh, I actually was talking with Scott Southmade, who's still at Iowa, and uh, he said, you know, why don't you, why don't you come to Iowa, um, enroll in the 2009 school year. We don't have a spot for you, but we will as soon as uh, the season ends um, for winter camp. Uh, and so that was about that was the only D1 real walk on offer I had and was pretty enticing. So um, I, I went ahead and did that and trusted them to get me on the team and everything worked out. You know, ended up uh, getting to come onto the team that winter and start kind of the winter camp. Uh, my So my introduction to the team was my locker uh, to my right was Adrian Claiborne and to my left was uh, Christian Ballard. Uh, so, um, I was kind of, yeah, nice. you know, I'm a, I'm a six, three, 240 pound guy. Um, and I was kind of sandwiched between these two superstars, uh, on the first day. So, uh, pretty, pretty intimidating way to come in. So I know, I know Chris Torrey here. I know you mentioned that, um, you, uh, Iowa was really the only spot that, that really gave you that opportunity. Nebraska is kind of known and formerly used to kind of build their program, around their walk-on program um talk to them hear from them or you know i I presume growing up in omaha that must have at least been something you thought about from time to time yeah you know uh, i was always actually a hawkeye guy both my parents uh, went to undergrad there and grew up in cedar falls iowa Uh, i did go to a uni camp um, but didn't want to go that small town Uh, but as far as mentioning the nebraska used to build their program with walk-ons uh, that was the Bo Pelini era, and there's kind of a long story in there, but the, the gist of it is is they really just didn't pay much attention to the Nebraska guys. I think the thought process was, you know, everyone bleeds red in Nebraska, and so you'll just come walk on. We're not going to recruit you. Um, so, I, you know, I had a uh, really good uh, offensive tackle who played alongside me in high school when I played tight end, and he ended up he had offers from Wisconsin and uh, Ohio, um, the uh, Bobcats, not the Ohio State, um, and ended up going and playing in Ohio for uh, five years and having a really good career. Never got a offer from Nebraska. Uh, so 
I, I think it was kind of a cultural change, and obviously Nebraska has really struggled the last few years, and that might be part of it. Hey, Chris, Jim here. Um, so, yeah, thanks for thanks for coming on. Yeah. And you were saying that you uh, you walked on uh, during the winter then after the Orange Bowl, and you played or you were on the team and, and uh, during 2010. So I guess that meant you were in camp. You did the practice squad, and were you with the team that whole 2010 season? I was not actually. I ended up. Uh, uh, leaving the team actually a little bit before games even started, um, decided it really wasn't for me. Um, and I, like I said, I was probably on that borderline where I really wasn't quite D1. You know, I was probably be a decent D1 AA, or maybe if I would have stuck it out, uh, you know, I could have continued being on the practice squad, but I didn't really think I was ever going to play, uh, if that mm. makes sense. So what was the because uh, you know we have a lot of arguments on this podcast about the 2010 team, but what was the sense going into that season? Was it? I mean, the expectations were pretty high, right? I mean, you come off the Orange Bowl victory, Claiborne sticking around, everybody on that Orange Bowl team was a junior. If I can um, jump in real quick, I had this magazine that I bought at Hy-Vee called "If the Stars Align," and the gist of it was how Iowa could make the national championship that year. So, the, I mean, from the outside, expectations expectations were really high. Yeah. Yeah. And certainly uh, kind of ended up not uh, obviously fulfilling those. You know, I I don't know what exactly happened uh, that year. If uh, uh, everyone just got kind of ahead of themselves, it's certain team certainly seemed very focused uh, going into going into the season uh, and guys were working hard in the weight room. And, you know, there was some. Uh, like any program, there are guys that butted heads, um, and sometimes at practice, you know, things got heated. But you kind of want that on a football field, uh, too. So I, I don't necessarily think that was a bad thing. Right on. Bill here. So you join the team. Uh, you're talking with Scott Southmate. So so clearly the staff has an idea how who you are. If you're a walk-on, are you, you know, hearing from Kirk Ferentz, or you know norm parker i think at the time yeah um or do do they do they know who you are what is life like for a walk-on that that's a good question and uh something that i had questions uh, about going into it uh you know uh i never sat down in like a meeting with uh kirk or um norm parker uh but people know who you are uh you know Kirk would, Kirk would walk by and say, hey, Chris, you know, how you doing? You settling in? Anything we can do for you? Um, so I did feel, you know, like people cared and uh, they definitely knew who I was. I just never had a lot of uh, one-on-one time with those guys. Um, definitely my position coach, obviously. Uh, you'd have meetings uh, at least about weekly with them and kind of talk to them. They kind of give you feedback on how you're doing. Um, but yeah, especially coming in uh, in the coming in in the off season was probably a little bit different too. Uh, actually, a couple guy, a couple other guys joined that off season uh, who had a little bit of hype around their names. AJ Derby and Louis Trinkapasat also uh, joined, obviously as scholarship guys uh, coming out of high school early. Uh, so they definitely got a little bit more attention uh, than I did, which I was kind of okay with that at the time. Sure. And uh, you mentioned your position coach um, and and Iowa fans kind of know him. He's got some infamy attached to him. He he ended up going to Nebraska and said something like, 
you know, when you walk into a place with the red N on your shirt, everybody pays attention or something like that, which got a bunch of Iowa fans goats. Uh, what was we're not going to we're not going to name na- we're not going to name names <laughs> though to protect his anonymity. Just say <laughs> Sorry, I, what was the what was the question at the end there? Oh, just you know, what what was he like as a coach? Um, you know, what did you see things that that kind of made you think, eh, maybe he's not gonna gonna stick around here, or, or or what was he like compared to all the other coaches you've had in your career? Yeah, uh, definitely intense, uh, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Definitely knew what he was doing. You mean getting guys like Adrian Claiborne and uh, Christian Ballard ready for games. Uh, but uh, but intense and sometimes uh, a little over the top in that regard. Uh, I think uh, one of my favorite quotes uh, that he said to me, uh, which struck home pretty hard, was, uh, Chris, you're one of those guys that can sit up in the stands and just look down and be like, oh, I can do that. Uh, but now you're here and, you know, I, I don't, I probably was having a bad practice. I don't remember what the end of that quote was, but something along the lines of you, you certainly can't. Um, so, uh, kind of, kind of hit home, obviously <laughs> being a walk on. Um, but stuff, you know, stuff like that, uh, not always the most constructive. And that was not the, that was not the gist of the rest of the coaching staff. Uh, Reese Morgan was, uh, would intermittently come and work with us a little bit and, you know, just kind of a night and day difference. But as a 19 year old kid uh, at the time, didn't necessarily pick up on that, uh, as far as, you know, where he fit in the program. Was he going to stay and stick around? Was he on his way out? Did Kirk and him butt heads more than, uh, more than people knew probably. Um, but I, that's just all speculation and, you know, you don't catch, you sometimes don't catch that stuff when you're just out of high school, freshman in college. Well, yeah, it's always been interesting to me, Chris, that I, it sounds like Kirk Ferentz and, and to a lesser extent, maybe the, the guys he hires and brings around him very much about teaching and building people up and positivity. Not that you're not going to get called out when you, you know, screw up or do something wrong, but I think he, his philosophy seems to be let's, you know, work and build people up and maybe that wasn't the best culture fit. And one, and that leads me to my question, which is every time the uh, big 10 network guys come to Iowa city every year, they kind of say the same thing about how professional and organized the practices are. Tell me a little bit what it's like uh, practicing in Iowa. And, you know, is it as a walk on too? Uh, like we've all seen Rudy. Do you, do you get the crap kicked out of you out there? <laughs> um, there's definitely a great rhythm to their practices, and I, I think that goes for most college programs now. Um, but using the clock system, flowing from one thing to the other, um, obviously good practice plans. And I, you know, I think that's just being a good head coach. That's part of your job is to um, manage those practices and get the most out of your time because you can't be there forever. Um, as far as getting the crap kicked out of me. Uh, they they tried to protect me uh, when they could. Um, I think I got lined up against Zeus uh, at one point uh, as a defensive end when he was playing left tackle, and uh, they they quickly uh, stopped that drill and put someone in who was uh, more qualified uh, to give him a look <laughs> than that's, me. That's but, Marcus Zuzovics, right? Yep, that's correct. Gotcha. gotcha. Yeah, he's a big fella. 
Yeah, yeah, and uh, he was, I think, a senior at the time. Um, <laughs> you know, so it wasn't it wasn't exactly a good matchup. They tried to keep us against. I, I went against uh, Dominic Alves a little bit, um, and then obviously like Louis Trinkapasat being the same uh, kind of year. You know, we we would go against each other more than. Uh, but you know, they put us against in in position drills. Uh, you know, I'd uh, line up against uh, Adrian Claiborne here and there just for like. Uh, hand fighting stuff, nothing that was going to get out of hand because clearly he would destroy uh, me uh, back, well, now too, but <laughs> back in those days. So, you know, you're you're going toe-to-toe with Adrian Claiborne and, and you know, on the other side of the ball, you're seeing some kind of legendary personalities like Ricky Stanzi, DJK, etc. Do you, do you talk with those guys? To, I mean, what were those guys like? on the practice field, in the locker room, et cetera. I mean, and, and you don't have to spill it all, obviously. Sure. Um, you know, uh, Stanzi definitely uh, was kind of one of the lively guys in the locker room, um, you know, always uh, always changing the music. There was kind of a fight in the locker room back in those days. And now this is before any of the new facilities were built. Um, but there's – there was music that played overhead. Uh, Ricky would always be changing it to some type of country music. Um, and, then, <laughs> and then watching all the other uh, guys in the locker room groan as they try to switch it back to rap or, um, you know, something a little more uh, up-tempo. Um, but, uh, I, you know, I didn't get to interact with uh, uh, DJK much at all, if, if any, really, um, being, you know, a wide receiver, just kind of, away from our position, you know, kind not, of not, 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 not part yeah. of the customer base then, Chris. Right. Exactly. <laughs> well, you know, I had to throw it out there. I, I do have a Ricky Stanzi question though. Um, it, it, so that love it or leave it America, patriotic country music, you know, mom and apple pie shtick that that's, that's his actual personality then. He uh, he sure embodied it uh, whenever we were whenever we were in the practice facilities. Yeah, um, that wasn't just on the field. Um, so that's awesome. So you're there with the team for a while. It occurred to you that hey, maybe this wasn't for you. What uh, what happened to you after that? Uh, so I actually I I sat down with my position coach, kind of told him, you know, I don't think this is this is for me. I don't think this is you know gonna lead to anything worthwhile and. Um, you know, he was nice about it, but kind of agreed. And so I, I ended up sticking around to Iowa after I left the team um, and pursuing. I, I My talents were probably more gifted in the classroom, uh, pursued a uh, health and human physiology degree, which basically means pre-medicine. Uh, if you don't get into med school, you're, you're kind of toast. Uh, and then I went to went, came back to Omaha, uh, went to medical school at University of Nebraska Medical Center and uh, graduated uh, and in uh, a couple of years ago, and now I'm in my second year of residency here at the med center. Okay, Doctor, and that's Doctor Chris. There you go. Yeah. Yep. I'd be interested, Chris, to get your perspective as somebody that played, uh, or at least was, you know, there at that level of football, um, and knowing what you do now after going through medical school. Could you touch just a little bit on the whole uh, concussion issue and and the head trauma stuff? Did, did that play any role in, in your decision as well? I mean, obviously, uh, it seems to have worked out to keep your brains unscrambled. <laughs> yeah, yeah, everything seemed to have worked, you know, seems to have worked out. Uh, it, you know what? It w- wasn't really a, a consideration of mine. Quite frankly, if I uh, 
thought I had a chance to play at, at Iowa or, you know, enjoyed my life a little bit more uh, while I was on the team, I probably would have stuck around. I, it, I'm, I'm glad you asked. I actually do a little concussion research kind of on, on side time with uh, the high school uh, football uh, team that Bill coaches for. Uh, we're using their concussion helmets. So it's definitely something that I'm still very interested in. And uh, I love the sport of football and don't want it to go anywhere. So hopefully uh, anything I do promotes that idea. Um, so, so you're in favor within some of the rule changes like targeting and some of the things we see on uh, quarterback hits in the NFL. You're you behind that as a, I mean, as a medical professional, you know, I am really kind of split sometimes on those because although I agree with the gist of the targeting uh, rule and, and what it, you know, what they're going for, uh, sometimes it really kills a game uh, when there's really, when there's nothing that I feel like the player could do, you know, leave, they leave their feet to try and make a play and the uh, running back or the wide receiver, you know, whoever slides down and they come helmet to helmet and you're like, there's no way he could avoid that. And while the gist of the rule and the, and the spirit of the rule is a good thing um, because, you know, if we, if we don't reduce concussions and people are scared to play the game, then the sport will go away. Uh, so while I get that, I hate how it sometimes, uh, plays out. Yeah. yeah I'd um, like to see more. I mean, I think definitely helmet to helmet is a penalty. I just, I feel like they go to the intentional, uh, disqualification angle too quickly. So, I mean, we saw that last weekend, uh, against Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and a, a big hit, which kind of leaves our linebackers in a little bit of a problem at the beginning of next week, but, uh, and speaking of next week, that's a, a great kind of segue to, to get us to the next, uh, our, our closing bit. Um, and thank you so much. That was really insightful. Uh, you know, all the, some good stuff here. Uh, looking ahead, though, do you have a prediction for us? What do you what do you see in with this year's team and, and how far do you think we can go? Well, uh, you know, next week. The Minnesota, you know, I'm glad we, I'm glad our offense looked great last week and we put a lot of points on the board. We also let Minnesota score quite a few points and throw the ball around us on a little bit. Yeah, we had four interceptions, uh, but, you know, this uh, Ramsey kid from Indiana is not the uh, same quarterback we played last week. And they stuck with Ohio State uh, until the fourth quarter. I I. Th- I'm a little fearful that they'll be able to throw the ball a little bit more on us. And so hopefully we can make those adjustments, especially with our linebackers. Uh, but anyways, I, I think that we're going to go up to Indiana and take a win home. But I think it might be a little bit closer than some fans uh, give Indiana credit for. My prediction, call it uh, 28-24 Iowa. Ooh. That's yeah. So you're saying Indiana covers? Yikes. I think uh, Iowa's a four and a half point favorite. So I you to cover there. Who's your pick to click? What players are you liking from this year's team? I love Kelly Martin, and I hope he. You know, it sounds like he's not quite in concussion protocol. I hope he plays uh, against Indiana. Um, and then I, <laughs> my my other favorite guy Noah. Uh, you know, also being an Omaha guy. Uh, such a dynamic player, but also maybe uh, questionable for the game. Um, you know, going to the position that I played, uh, I, I really like Nelson at uh, D end. 
And if uh, those other two guys, you know, offensively don't get to play, then he's probably with his, you know, he had three sacks last week and um, hopefully he has another good game rushing a rushing a better passer and can put put some pressure on them. He had a hell of a game. I think he's Big Ten player of the week. Yeah, yeah I he got those honors. Yeah, they're going to have to, I think, to your point, Chris, put the pressure on this quarterback because he's the kind that if you give him enough time, uh, especially with some green players out there in the secondary and linebacker, that could be trouble. You might find yourself in a shootout. Yeah, I agree. I, that's the one thing I fear going into going into Saturday. Well, you heard it here, folks. Hawks, according to Chris, going to bring it home, uh, bring home a W in a 28-24 type game. I think I'm kind of uh, leaning toward uh, toward that, Chris. I, I, I liked seeing the offense come alive, but... Um, I, I think IU is going to put some points up and we're going to have to, to do the same to keep with them. But uh, thank you so much for, for giving us some of your time. It's always awesome to hear from a former player. And um, I, I hope you uh, come back sometime. Yeah, thanks. Uh, it was fun being here. Thanks for having me on the show. And uh, I'd look forward to it. Sure thing. And uh, keep tra- keep Bill uh, under control over there on the sideline. I don't we don't <laughs> need any like, uh, you know, shenanigans or Woody Hayes kind of antics. <laughs> <laughs> Bill right. Pelini. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm at the lowest level of football. I, 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 I doubt that's going to happen. <laughs> Bill, Bill seems, seems to keep his uh, cool on. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was great chatting with you. Yeah, thanks, guys. Have a good night. Once again, Bill, thanks for lining up, Chris. That was a really fun interview, and it's always interesting to get the perspective of somebody who's been inside the program, You know, whether it's a four-year starter or somebody that just got a cup of coffee like Chris, but clearly it made a big impact on him, so uh, kind of fun. What, uh, what else is on you guys' mind, be it Iowa football or around college football in general this week? Well, I, for one, have uh, seen kind of the... the... I don't know if this is news per se, but certainly the message boards are running with this. A little bit of, uh, I don't, I don't want to say a little strife coming out of the, the Fant family camp. Uh, Chris Fant, who coaches high school football here in Omaha, seems to have an issue with the number of reps that Noah's getting. And um, I, he might make a few good points, but overall, I, I think it's kind of a bad look. Um, and, and, you know, he, he coaches a, a two and three high school team here in Omaha and he's calling out Kirk Ferentz, who's going to be in the Hall of Fame. So <laughs> I, I don't I don't know what you guys uh, think about that. You guys have any thoughts? Well, you know, I mean, it's like how, how can you argue with someone if they're getting their reps or not when he just he just continues to put more distance between himself and the rest of the field as far as the record uh, touchdowns for for a tight end. And, uh, you know, um, and but. And, and, you know, he's probably going to finish his career at Iowa, uh, you know, with a double-digit lead over the number two uh, tight end. But, you know, TJ Hawkinson is also a really great tight end. <laughs> so and uh, and maybe he's just a little more versatile in some of the some of the formations and some of the play calling. So I just I feel like, you know, this is uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like this is just a little petty, you know, stop counting. uh uh, counting marbles here and just look at you know look at how both guys are contributing and doing really well well the thing that gets me is if they would and i can get the frustration you know you're you're a family member you know obviously every team that noah's been on he's been the big stud and and you're used to getting that star treatment um but 
you know, if you're looking at the big picture, the guy's going to be a multimillionaire probably as soon as the end of this year. Uh, so the less, uh, you know, mileage he has on his body, the longer his career is going to be, the better everything's going to be. That's a good be. point. I mean, he's out there catching touchdowns and making huge plays. Um, you know, as long as you keep performing at that level, nothing wrong with uh, getting a little rest. And, you know, why bash your head into the uh, line over and over like some of the more uh, in-line run-blocking tight ends? I, I I think it's a silly thing to be upset about. My biggest concern is will it have any kind of uh, – will it feed into the team? Will it cause any problems there? I'd like to think it wouldn't. Um but you've got to keep in mind, these are 19, 20-year-old kids, too. So, you know, that that's the, yeah. the biggest part that concerns me as a fan. Well, I think that the only thing he can't do is run the jet sweep. <laughs> so uh, that was a little – I'm not sure about that one. But, you know, I agree with you, Tori, and I think if I were really paranoid, I would say that maybe if you um, – um, give a little bit of lopsided touches to Hawkinson and you've got these guys one and two, then maybe, um, you know, if Noah comes out early at the end of the season, uh, you know, you're not uh, you're not reeling so much with a big hole there at the tight end uh, in your offensive production. I mean, that could be part of it. But that's me being paranoid. I, I agree with every point you guys have made, and that's kind of the, the, the page that I'm on. Playing devil's advocate here, uh, we'll give Mr. Chris Fant a, a fair shake here. Final pass of the Wisconsin game, the one that went to uh, ISM that was bounced off his hands into the Wisconsin defender's hands. Don't you go to Noah Fant there, even if he's double covered? Don't you don't you let him go up and, and get it? Not as open as uh, ISM was. <laughs> I mean, he was running free across the middle of the field. I mean, quarterback, some, a wise man once said, Bill, the ball goes where the ball goes. <laughs> it ebbs and it flows. <laughs> That's football. <laughs> well, you, you heard it here. We've uh, we've solved the Chris Fant Twitter I, outrage. And you know, he, here's the other thing, and I'll just I'll let it go. Is like, you know, this might be a valid complaint at the end of the season, but we're five games into a twelve games. You know, let it play out. Uh, you know, these things may be even out in the long run. Yeah, no doubt. And I mean, and obviously, it's been pointed out on all the message boards, but it is a, a stark contrast between. Uh, the Epineza family and the Fant family on on the debate, I guess, over snap counts and and I mean Epineza doesn't even start, <laughs> and you've heard yeah. nary a word from that that family. Yeah, I think he's leading why... the Big Ten in sacks or something, or or hurries, or I, I think that's why AJ uh, Epineza has the fifth star, and Noah Fant was only a four star. Fant brings the family baggage. <laughs> Ouch. Well, that that could be. You're you're the Omaha, 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 Omaha. How do you say that, Bill? <laughs> I think guy from right. Omaha. Omaha. <laughs> I'm a guy from Omaha. Yeah. <laughs> Nebraska. Yeah. So, well, what else is going on? I mean, what did you see from some of the other teams? I, I think, uh, you know, I'm I'm curious to see between Michigan and Wisconsin. I'm curious to see how that plays out. Uh, Michigan looks like it might actually be for real this year um they've always had a pretty solid defense but it looks like they stopped tripping over themselves on offense well this uh, is yeah. the week this is the week to be a, a wolverine fan right exactly exactly i mean ohio state i mean what's to talk about they're just a semi-pro team up there in columbus penn state same same deal um Here, i guess i'm, I'm surprised 
throw this out though, and Jim, you're you're doing it again. You and Bill refuse, just refuse to acknowledge that Pat Fitzgerald's Northwestern team is good. It's a good really? program. Two they win games. They've won good. ten games two years in a row. They yeah. they they righted the ship and beat Michigan State. Um, I, I, I'm a little nervous about them. Well, they have no running game. I mean, I think they still had like less than a hundred yards total. Um, you I know, think even they in that beat win, Michigan but... State with eight yards yeah. rushing. Eight yards rushing. There you go. Well, they have twelve-year quarterback Clayton Thorson back. <laughs> that guy played against Drew Tate, I think. He's got a full beard and two children in high school. Uh, Northwestern is two and three, so let's not go tripping over ourselves to kiss their asses just yet. Yeah, and I, I'm not sold on Michigan State either, Tori. I mean, I hear you, uh, but I'm not sold on Michigan State either. Yeah, they were overrated. So. Hey, I got a controversial thing to bring up now that we're talking about Northwestern because we're tied with them right now uh, in the Big Ten West. We need them to lose, and and yeah, we can beat them and get the you know tiebreaker, but. You know, why not have them well in our rear view? They've got Nebraska this week. Is this the week maybe you're kind of hoping Scott Frost gets the first one? Or nope. Do we just... nope. 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 Had to bring it up. Uh, yeah. Bethune-Cookman, I'll give them. Maybe <laughs> Illinois. And then after that, I I mean, dude, two and two and nine, right? Nine, because they didn't get to play one game. Tell me well, that doesn't make you feel good. Be a smoking red crater over there in Lincoln. Uh, it will be fine by me. It warms my heart. Just wanted to to check the temperature of uh, you know Hawk fans near and far. Uh, see if if we wanted Northwestern taken care of this week or or down the road. So well, see, we we still play them, so it doesn't worry me quite so much, Bill. I think I'm I'm more focused on who Wisconsin is playing um, because they have the the win over us. Um, I mean, we've got a shot. I mean, if we lose to Northwestern, then I'm right there with you. Um, I was cheering I, for Wisconsin Saturday. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm looking for, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see who else they have on their schedule and who their crossovers are. I mean, obviously they just had the, the Michigan State crossover, but who else do they have? They've got Penn State. Yeah, so see, they, they're going to have a couple of additional, I mean, they're not going to be a 10-win team this year, Tori. I mean, I acknowledge they've been good for the past two years. I think this is going to be a step back. You can't rush for eight yards in the no, Big Ten. No, and you and guys are right. It's all, yeah, it's already been a step back uh, from the way they wanted to start. But uh, I'm just saying, they, they, they lurk in the weeds, man. They are especially, dangerous. Especially when Iowa's out in the weeds. They, I'll they, give you this they, one, Tori. jump up and bite us. How about this one? Illinois found perhaps the only team in the Big Ten that's actually a sadder piece of sack of garbage than they are and beat uh, Rutgers. So, you know, way to go, Lovey Smith. Congratulations. I those, uh, a, student section over there, sports. I say, but Lovey Smith gets his Big Ten win as a parting gift or what? Big Ten asterisk win. <laughs> Well, guys, should we go ahead and take our, our Gnome of Knowledge kit picks and kind of wrap up? Yeah, I sure. Mean, well, nobody picked talk. for Minnesota. We probably should have done that on Twitter, huh? Hindsight. Uh, oh well. Um, but uh, but yeah. So, Bill, you you won the Wisconsin game by you know turning and eating your own. Um, so I hope that feels good. Um, but uh, but yeah, let's pivot then to Indiana. And uh, I think Bill, you're you're kind of running away with this thing, so you're up first. 
who you want to see and what's your pick to click? I actually really liked uh, Chris Snyder's pick. That was that was that was similar to the way I th- I think the game's going to go. Um, let's say a little higher scoring. Uh, how about Iowa thirty-one, uh, Indiana? Uh, let's give them twenty-four. Uh, Hawks cover. It's scary. And pick to click. Oh, you had to do that to me. I, I wanted to go no offense, <laughs> uh, you know, Omaha guy, but I'm not. I'm not sure. I, I I like his brother spouting off on Twitter and and Tori. I think maybe you're right. Maybe there's something to that. This uh, about maybe creating some division in the locker room. T.J. Hawkinson. Oh, you took mine. Okay. Uh, awesome. Well, uh, I will also give us a high scoring game. I think we. Uh, I, I haven't seen anything out of uh, Indiana's defense. Um, so I think Iowa does a, a really good job, and I think they score 42. Um, but we they do have – I was just reading today they have the most turnovers in college football they've created or something like that. That's so I feel scary. like Yeah, so I feel like Stanley's going to spot them too. So I'm going to say 42-35. Um, I think the run game gets on target this, uh, uh, this week. So I'm going to say that uh, – my pick to click. I'm going to pick a duo here. I'm going to say Ivory Kelly Martin and Mackay Sargent as my uh, as my pick to click. I think that they're going to they're going to run all over these guys. So I just What's... wanted to I just wanted to say that I had actually you know you guys may not remember this but I had picked Iowa long snapper Jackson Schubert as my pick to click last <laughs> week for uh, I predicted a perfectly timed fake field goal snap to a guy that yeah. would run into the end zone to to give Iowa forty eight points so technically I feel like I should probably have the genome of knowledge. That's when you woke up in that in the middle of that seance, right? <laughs> Tori, had you heard of Jackson Subert before this weekend? No, we um, have I have up. his card. I got it in a pack of bubble gum. Yes, he's huge. <laughs> he's no Tyler Kluver, but he's pretty damn good. He's no Polecat. I, I was screaming Polecat, and my, my dad and my wife were looking at me like I was a, a Looney Tunes. That was one was called Netflix. Herky, they say. That was Herky, yeah. Yeah, Herky yeah well, Polecat. Polecat was the weird thing against Ohio State last year. <laughs> so... Tori? Well, you know what? I I, I think it's going to be a shootout. I mean, I think I and I think for once Iowa is actually armed to win a shootout in Bloomington. So, I'm going to I'm going to put them up with more points again. I'm going to say 45 for Iowa and uh 35 for the Hoosiers who do scare the crap out of us. Although, I'm very hopeful the defense can sack their quarterback a few times and not make it that exciting. Um, with that many points on the board, I'm going to have to go with somebody on offense, and I think it's going to be Amir Smith-Marset. I feel like he's just hitting his stride as a as a threat as a wide receiver. So uh, I just think it's funny up. that you picked 45, I picked 42, Bill picked 31, and nobody picked Nate Stanley as their pick to <laughs> That, that's a good point. I guess it, it always feels a little cheaty to pick the starting quarterback, though, doesn't it? I'm well, but you, if you're Tori. calling for a shootout, though. Well, true, but that's you know, true. you gotta. Who's he gonna throw to? That's that's the trick. everybody, everybody. And they've done a great job with that this year. I mean, that's been really nice to see. Um, I mean, I, that one interception, notwithstanding, he looked pretty out. He looked great Saturday. I don't know. That was just a brain freeze or what that was, but God forbid we see that again. Oh, just... Glenn Mason uh, on the broadcast I thought was pretty funny, and, and I know a lot of Hawkeye fans don't like him either, but 
he said, I can't even begin to explain what he was looking at there, which me neither. <laughs> well, Glenn, okay, so to be fair, Glenn Mason also said that, uh, you know, if he had maybe uh, won the pig a couple more times, he would still be coaching at Minnesota. So he he has the ability to kind of, you know, laugh at himself as well. So The best, uh, though, old... the best was the, uh, the, the producers trolling him, though. Did you see the part where he said Iowa is struggling in the red zone, and then they flashed up the graphic that Iowa is three for three during the game in the red zone and 85% for the season? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like Glenn. He likes Kirk Ferentz. He's a decent guy, but he it was not one of his better games this last Saturday. No, no he's he's maybe uh, got some uh, memory problems there. But, uh, but yeah, um, I, I think, Tori, I'm, I'm with you. I'm looking at it as a kind of a high-scoring game, um, you know, possibly a shootout. Uh, I, I liked the wide receiver plays uh, last week, and I'd like to see more of that. I, I get it now, what they're talking about with Brandon Smith and Amir Smith-Marset. Um uh, Brandon Smith with that kind of crazy catch. I actually watched that on replay a couple of times, and I still am not convinced that was a reception. <laughs> oh, I am. I think he had control of it. Man, I wish but I could. he had his I, hand I'm, under the ball entirely, or did he put yeah. the nose of the ball on the ground? Yeah, I, I'm so glad you brought that up. I, I almost want to change my pick to, to Brandon Smith because he's a guy that I've been high on since for like 18 months now. I, I love that kid, and I'm so happy to see him coming on because he's going to be – the next Iowa big time receiver. You heard it here first. Yeah, and easily had a touchdown too. I mean, let's not forget him. He's he's just turning into that quiet possession receiver like uh, Hinkle or Sandeman from days gone by. So the receivers are working out. And you know, of course, we've already said that the two tight ends are a total mismatch. Well, guys, uh, I guess we should probably bring this one in for a landing. I think uh, um, I'm hoping that this time next week. We'll be celebrating a, an escape from Bloomington with another win, and, and that would put us at a 5-1, and one, right? And probably inside the rankings. I think we're just outside of a APN coaches poll right now. Yep, 26 AP, 27 coaches. I think one more win does it. Yeah, and uh, and this could be, I think, somebody's, I think even you know Glenn Mason said something like, you know, even with that Wisconsin loss, and you do something good in Penn State, you can still have a very, very special season. Uh, even if you don't win the West. I think this is quietly a really, really, really important game because you've seen Iowa in this position before, getting a little momentum, being close, you know, being right on the outside of the rankings and then having a road game against a middling opponent and then stub their toe, do something stupid, and maybe fight their way back to seven, eight wins, look okay, blah, 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 rinse and repeat, right? So I think this is almost a really pivotal game to see if this is a special team this year or just another nice Iowa team. And uh, I want them to be special. If you want want to have 10 wins, you got to get this one. And this kind of game, you've got to be able to take care of this kind of game. And if you don't, if you slip up, then you're right. You're looking at another 8 and 5, whatever. Absolutely. All right, so let's go win the dang thing. (laughs) Roger that. All right, guys. Well, let's wrap it up and say, as we always do, we'll close it with on Iowa. Go Hawks. Beat Nebraska. (laughs) I almost forgot my line. We haven't done it in so long. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, do I say go Hawks or go Iowa? I can't. (laughs) 